0: Everyone, This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Recently, we did a segment exploring what Nevada is doing in terms of looking at removing the U.S. citizenship requirement to become police officers in that state. And it ended up leading to a discussion about the different problems that police departments around the country, especially ones that don't pay as much as, say, Suffolk County or Westchester County may, are having in terms of recruiting new police officers. And one of the things that I mentioned is there was a time years ago where I supported a residency requirement within New York City for police officers. I no longer do and quite simply, it's because that if you look at what a police officer in New York is paid when they first start out, they simply can't afford to live in New York City. So I think they should be given some flexibility to live elsewhere. Well, believe it or not, this same debate is now taking place in Hoboken. Gee, maybe it has something to do with the fact that a one-bed room apartment can cost $3,000 a month. So to become a police officer in Hoboken, potential recruits must settle in the city from the date of the exam to their appointment. But amidst new difficulties in attracting recruits, Hoboken officials are considering loosening the requirements in an effort to lure more candidates for the job. City officials said they're looking at changing the current rules so that recruits in training will not be required to live in the city. That's a requirement in most municipalities, but would still be preferred if they do. The city, which can employ up to 146 officers, is currently down 12 and could be short by 17 in April if there are no new hires. My view is twofold. One, Hoboken needs to, much like New York, do something about allowing middle class people to afford to live in their city. That's not something they can snap their fingers and do tomorrow, but it's something they need to look at long term. The other thing, I think you need to look at paying police officers in Hoboken more. Then maybe they'll actually be able to afford in the city. I think this is an important lesson for every municipality in america beam me up to be continued the other side of midnight local spotlight good morning everyone this is the other side of midnight on 77 wabc i'm frank morano It's no secret I enjoy casino gambling, and it's no secret that I've uh, bet on sports from time to time. I generally do it at a casino, and I have not gotten into electronic sports gambling. That being said, I have some real concerns about some new data that is coming out. I'm not sure what to do about it. I'm not suggesting we go back to making sports gambling illegal again, but I do have some concerns about the prevalence of sports betting, legal sports betting, particularly digital legal sports betting and mobile legal sports betting and what that's leading to in terms of gambling addiction in New York in New Jersey and around the country you might have seen the story come out a couple of days ago that in its first year of legal sports betting in New York, New York took in over 16 billion yes with a B, dollars when it comes to sports betting. I was very troubled by this article in the Asbury Park Press about the rise in sports gambling addiction in New Jersey and elsewhere. Of course as the leader of the court effort to legalize sports betting nationwide, the Garden State does bear a lot of responsibility for all this. Still, according to this Rutgers study that's cited in this article, New Jersey has three times the national average of high risk problem gamblers. According to Felicia Grondon, who is the executive director of the Council on Compulsive Gambling, the advertising of sports book is excessive. There's no regulation associated with it. It is the Wild West when it comes a sports book. This was easy to see coming but we didn't pay very much attention to this. Sports betting sailed through with overwhelming bipartisan support and very few concerns raised about addiction. Marijuana though hit all sorts of political obstacles and was almost stopped every step of the way, even today. Especially if you watched any of the games over the weekend, I'm sure you noticed this, our personal devices and televisions are clogged with ads for sports betting. And the state, I think, and various states need to look at putting in some restrictions on this. There was a time when cigarette advertisements were not permitted. There was a time when beer and alcohol advertisements were not permitted. I'm wondering if that is something that needs to be considered when it comes to legal sports betting because this spiraling of gambling addiction is just unsustainable. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77. I have said consistently in these commentaries that I think what is happening to the nomination that Governor Hochul put forward for her chief judge of the Court of Appeals, Hector LaSalle, is just terrible. I think it's horrible what the Senate Democrats have done to him. And a lot of people who are in my camp have said that Governor Hochul should go to court and sue in the hopes of getting a floor Senate vote. And I believe that uh, the law is on her side. I believe that the state constitution, when it says advice and consent of the Senate, it means the full Senate, not one Senate committee. However, the New York Post is reporting that if she is successful in going forward with a lawsuit on this and getting a full-floor vote in the state Senate that she will not be able to get him confirmed. See, LaSalle needs at least 32 out of 63 votes to get confirmed. At least 25 Democrats are already publicly opposed, and the New York Post is reporting that a Senate source said that legislative leaders already have more than seven additional votes locked down to guarantee a defeat of their own party's Governor. So now that, if this is true, which I'll assume that it is, now that Governor Hochul knows that if there's a floor vote, she may lose that as well, a lot of folks are saying she may not want to run the risk of being doubly humiliated, of having her nominee lose in committee, and then if she wins in court, having him lose before the full Senate. I completely understand that, but I completely disagree. I think the people of the state of New York are owed a vote on this. I think she ought to go forward with a lawsuit, and we ought to know where every state senator in this state comes down on the question of Hector LaSalle. So when they stand for re-election next year, we, the voters, ought to be able to hold them accountable, however they vote. So I hope... She does go forward with this lawsuit. Beam me up to be continued. The other side of midnight. 77. Local spotlight. I don't think. When it comes to COVID, I am pro-vaccine. I got my vaccine. I got multiple boosters. And I'm of the belief that the COVID vaccinations are the greatest accomplishment that the Trump administration produced. That being said, even more than being pro-vaccine, I'm pro-choice. I choose to get the vaccine. My wife chooses to get the vaccine. But I think if you choose not to get the vaccine, that's your right. And I think it was just awful the way that the de Blasio administration, in a move that was upheld by the Adams administration went so far as to fire city workers who chose to do something different with their health than what I chose to do. And the news outlet The City has some good news in uh, their reporting yesterday. Some unvaxxed city workers are winning their jobs back. They chronicle Frank Shimenti who refused to be vaccinated against COVID, citing his opposition to the use of fetal cells in the shots development. And he was terminated from his job at the City Department of Buildings early 2022. So in order just to make ends meet, he sold his van. He debated cutting out the extravagance of his family's pizza night. He said he couldn't even describe what he went through. But last month, he got a bit of hopeful news. A Richmond County Supreme Court judge ordered the city to reinstate Chimenti to his job with back. Pay. And he's not alone. In a growing number of cases, judges, not just on Staten Island, are ruling that the city improperly fired employees and ordering them to be put back on the payroll. Since September, more than a dozen city workers terminated or facing termination for not complying with the vaccine mandate have won orders for reinstatement with help from attorneys who specialize in vaccine mandate cases and judges who have found that the city failed to adequately justify its denial of their requests for religious accommodations so i find this to be very good news and when the next pandemic comes around and we face a similar debate over people getting fired or getting vaccinated i hope the city will think twice about firing workers beam me up to be continued